Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. are here ladies and gentlemen this is the fade to black alamonte show special edition i am your host donnell alamonte morris and i'm here with teach aka anita joe even though i had that reverse but y'all understand where i'm getting at welcome to the show welcome thanks for having me all right, so you already know what it is, and also our boy uh, Beast Johnson, he will be coming in um, a little bit later in the show. He's handling some engagements right now, but I'm just going to start the show off. I'm doing something like out of the ordinary. Start off with a little something like this to get you prepared. Oh, and just speaking of the devil, here he is, Beast Johnson. Welcome to the show, man. Good evening. <laughs> Welcome. Hi, Beast. <laughs> How you doing, Tisha? How we doing this evening? I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing good. Had to get some uh, prerequisites to uh, practice out the way. Uh, that's good. Um, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, um, Mr. Bragg, Alan Bragg, will not be joining us today, but he will be coming back soon. Uh, so today is just us three and you, the oh. audience. Now, as I was um, going to continue, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to do something to dive into what we're talking about today. And obviously, you already see the title, All Lives Matter Narrative. And so before we even give any of our thoughts, I want to start off with this. phrase, Black Lives Matter, has gained traction all around the world. The phrase, All Lives Matter, is facing backlash. CBS 2's Carolyn Gossoff explains this. The Black Lives Matter mantra, a sorrowful rallying cry, at times answered with this retort. An obvious statement, all lives matter, but in this moment, seen as twisting the Black Lives Matter message, just when the nation is focused on the deep wounds of racism. It's unleashed a flurry of explainers. I don't think that the people that are posting all lives matter should be canceled. I think they should be educated. Now, I realize that it is 
dismissive. For example, if you ran into someone that was trying to raise awareness for breast cancer and then you said, whoa, wait, there are other types of cancers too, you know, that is not cool. Sometimes stated in quiet posts, all times hurtful, says Sydney Daniel, a Long Island nurse who's heard it shouted in anger this week. It's how they're saying it. It's kind of like, oh, my, all lives matter, so just go home. What's the issue? Some people don't even know how racist they actually are by that time. Dismissive of a painful history that black lives have not appeared to matter to everyone. Born out of the acquittal of George Zimmerman and the murder of Trayvon Martin. Hofstra University professor of rhetoric Tamika Robinson says the All Lives Matter response tries to remove race from what needs to be a race discussion. It is tone deaf and they don't get that what they're saying is deracializing a movement. But there are certainly some bad actors that absolutely are using it as a way to silence and a tool of further oppression to saying, like, we shouldn't deal with this. This is not a real issue. This is not an American issue. Yet others say all lives is an expression of support for police, the vast majority who do their jobs honorably. Long Island radio host Eric Koppelman. All lives matter simply says that. We as a people, we as human beings, we as mankind need to live together and to be able to survive peacefully. And it's not an insult. That's not the way Francesca Miranda hears it. The Justice for George organizer thinks the counter slogan misses the point. When you say Black Lives Matter, you don't say only Black Lives Matter. Protesters say you wouldn't need a Black Lives Matter movement if all lives truly mattered. Implied in the slogan is the unwritten word Black Lives Matter also. In Westbury, Long Island, Carolyn Gussoff, CBS 2 News. So I want to open up the show on a different note, which leads to the opening statements. And you already know how that goes. Beast Johnson, we're going to start off with you today. All right. Um, welcome, everybody, to the show. Excuse my her, I ain't got it done yet. But alas, um, after watching that video, there's not much I could really add other than the blanket statement of when you go against a point and it's a a rational logic point like black lives matter and to retort that all lives matter is not only you know very disrespectful is dehumanizing to other people and other races who don't feel as though their lives matter and they agree with the black lives matter movement Hence, why they're out there in support as well. So I just want people to write, really think about words. And when you say words in a certain arrangement, you have to make sure there's no logical counterpoint. Like nobody should be a homegrown lawyer and be able to dissect your words and use them against you. But when you make statements like all lives matter, it's pretty much an open field. So, you know, be mindful of your words and, and, and be mindful of the tone in which you say your words. 
because you might mean it from a sincere place, but if it comes in an aggressive manner, it's taken completely as anger and possible racism. Good evening, everyone. If we must die, if we must die, let it not be like hogs, hunted and pinned in an inglorious spot. While round us bark the mad and hungry dogs, making their mock at our accursed lot, if we must die, oh, let us nobly die, so that our precious blood may not be shed in vain. Then even the monsters we defy shall be constrained to honor us through death. O oh, kinsmen, we must meet the common foe. Though far outnumbered, let us show us brave and for their thousands blows deal one death blow what though before us lies the open grave like men will face the murderous cowardly pack pressed to the wall dying but fighting back these are the words of claude mckay and I open up this session with this poem that was written during uh, another time period in our lives, but it's very appropriate for us right now. If we must die, let it not be like hogs. Good evening, and I welcome each and every one of you to Fade and Black Show. My comments are simply on the topic of All Lives Matter. This where we can agree. Yes, all lives do matter. But right now, there is one life, a group of lives within the African American community that's being targeted and hunted down like hogs. And in this country, we don't feel because of the injustice, because of the absurd reason why a person will die. Going to the store for some Skittles and a tea ends up in death. Selling a cigarette was considered or called a Lucy. You die. Sleeping in your bed, you wake up dead. Black lives matter. All lives is an insult to the crucial racial issue at hand. Thank you. Thank you, Teach, for that, and also Peace Johnson. Now is my turn. 
so I had something else on my mind that I wanted to start off with, but unfortunately, it goes to somewhere different. I'm trying to go on my Facebook. I'm trying to look for the show as I got my phone right here. And I'm also on my uh, tablet right here. Also, we're live on YouTube, by the way. I'm not finding any of my videos that I will go share out to other groups to let them know that I'm on live. So with, I don't know if it's a Facebook thing or if it's a glitch. I don't know. But I will say this. I I honor it. Usually when when you see something happen, something like this, like you see in the protest where you have um the police doing what they do and all that stuff, I see it as a badge of honor. That means that this show is pushing buttons. And this is what the show is supposed to do. Now I know I be preaching a little bit about we control the narrative. We make the narrative and all that stuff. I really mean it when I say it. And this right here, I don't know if it's just me that they're doing it to. I don't know if it's doing with, with y'all. I see that we got a few people um, watching the show. But that means that we are doing our part. We are here to have the uncomfortable conversations. We are here to help you. I won't say help you. Help. Nah, I keep saying help. Understand? Nah, I think understand is becoming a very loose word. You're in our world. And what we give you, you either take it or you leave it. This goes beyond the conversation. This goes beyond the understanding. This goes, goes beyond having a talk. This is now a time for us, not even us, for you, to sit down and listen. You know how like that uh the speaker will always say or that teacher will always say um hold your applause till after um till after the show or till after the teaching this is one of those times and definitely with deep diving into this topic it needs to be talked about cuz one thing I do not want to do when I have my panel on here or when I have guest panels and you just keep talking about, you know, us, us black people, what we need to do, what we should not, you know, what we should not do and what our goals and, and what our solution should be for us. I don't want to just keep it on that. I want to aim also at what got us in this situation in the first place where people just didn't want to listen. And you're going to hear it rather than just hearing just complaints about it. We're going to tell you everything now on surface value, but deep value, like not deep value, but going deeper into the issue and then getting the solutions. Because we can talk about what black people, what we need all day and every day. And you see how that worked. Like my mom always told me. People love to tell somebody else, but never want to tell themselves. Now we're going to tell a little something about yourself. And the solutions that we need to get down to. And then a lot of black activists will always say, definitely the deep conscious ones, they will always says, they always say, 
white supremacy take both sides of the arguments. Meaning, doesn't matter if Democrat, liberal, progressive, or if they're Republican or conservative or libertarian. They're both white supremacists. And honestly, that is a big generalization. Big generalization. So we here on this show to take out what we know, who they are, no matter if they're liberal, Democrat, Republican, or conservative. We're going to call you out. And we're going to not even just tell it like it is. Going to tell you how it has been and our solutions to change it. So enough about me. Let me get everybody else up on here. Uh, Many alibis before we go into the main story. Alibis? Any of them? Well, you, well, you saw my alibi earlier. That, that's my alibi most nights. You know, looking the way I, <laughs> looking the way I do, uh, I make sure I have some kind of audience mm. and some kind of uh, phone signal. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm bouncing off the right tower. You can't ever say it was me. <laughs> Got you. What about you, Teach? No, none at this time. <laughs> All right. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. So now we jump into the main story, which is the All Lives Matter narrative. This is something that's been happening since Black Lives Matter became more than just a hashtag. Protests all over the country, now all over the world. They are feeling the pain that we feel on a daily basis. But you still got people out there that believes that, look, yes, y'all have problems, but so do I. To a simple, oh, if I got a cut on my finger, all my other fingers matters too. We're going to dispel this narrative. I know it's been done countless times over the media. Even people that don't even look like us are explaining how disingenuous all lives matter movement is so i was trying other than that video you just saw from the jump of the show something really triggered me into doing this show and do it with all the passion that i have within me and yes ladies and gentlemen i use that dreaded t word triggered yes it did and it's this post right here and i'm gonna let y'all know I said it before, I say it again. Facebook is a public platform. And the name that you see right there, I, I did not my Facebook, but I did have a Facebook friend that reposted this post. And just reading this, it just made me angry to the core that this person, not even the person that posted the picture, but this person who just sit here like, take a picture of me up with this sign. Make this go viral. And sit there saying this. We just, we can we just agree that we all matter and quit making it about race? This is the biggest issue and the biggest problem that we have with dealing with all lives matter. Because I can guarantee you. And then also we got another great to have Martin back. Welcome back to the show, Martin. Hey, my brother. Good to be here. 
Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Good. Thank you. Okay. Right. And, and so I guarantee you, this man who put this post up here probably wouldn't have the conversation that we should be having. Because I promise you, he probably is going to just going to be like, no, no, no. See, see, she look, you know, it's it's that yeah, but. So this post really did uh, trigger me. But then again, it sums up when you when I hear all lives matter. Anybody can jump in. Um, I, I'll use the, I'll use the conversation I had with um with my girlfriend when we was talking about the Black Lives Matter and like my retort. It would just simply, yeah. If all things matter, then that presence and that energy would have been present long before, thus making your point valid and logical. You'd be able, like writing the paper, you'd be able to cite references and resources to your point. Like, like I said, by saying all lives matter, it, it's very dehumanizing because if all lives matter, as a white man making that statement, then what's, what's the issue with the Mexicans and all other forms of immigrants? Why did you, why did you as your people feel the need to completely massacre a people down to Less than forty acres in the mule. Mm. If all lives matter, we're speaking historically. We're speaking facts. We're speaking things on paper. So, if your point was valid, you'd be able to at least cite one thing to give your point some kind of validity. But like you said earlier, by looking at this man, he is not one of those individuals. He's the type of individual you get mad because you know any reasonable conversation would just drive you to pure quote-unquote black rage. Because he's not going to be up front. He's going to give you the yeah, but yeah, but, and a person like me will, will probably retort yeah, but I could have whooped your ass by now for making such a blanket racist statement, but I didn't. See, that's how you truly use, yeah, but I'm still willing to have a conversation with you like a civil human. Man to man, human to human. Let's discuss this. If it's not about race, then talk to me. Teach? Okay, Um, I want to take us back a little bit and bring us forward and put things into context. If we go back to uh, the Emancipation Proclamation that declared those in servitude to be free men and women, Progressing forward to that, we go to the 13th Amendment. And it's the 13th Amendment that actually uh, creates, quote unquote, the law 
that says this is illegal to enslave people of color. Then we go to the 14th Amendment that grants African Americans the well, African American men, I mean, well, African Americans the right to citizenship. And then the 15th Amendment that gives African American men the right to vote. Now, the reason why I bring this up is that from a historical vantage point, it is always the African American on this soil that pushes the envelope of diversity in this nation. I'll repeat that. It is the African-American that pushes the envelope of diversity in this nation. And what I mean is this, because the uh, African-Americans fought and advocated through abolitionists and ultimately through the war, the African-Americans were able to gain freedom. But if you look at the 13th Amendment, that gives freedom and out, well outlaws uh, slavery that pertain to all people in the land. Because we know also we had a history of Native Americans also being enslaved. So the 13th Amendment not only covered the African Americans, but other people who found themselves in servitude and or slavery in the United States of America. Uh, going forward, after uh, slavery, we go into the Reconstruction period. And there's a book by W.E.B. Du Bois that I urge everyone that's interested in history, period, to read. And it's called Black Reconstruction. During Black Reconstruction, there was the first time African-American men had power um, to vote as well as to get elected into key offices as mayors, governors, councilmen, um, deputy uh, uh, governors, and so forth and so on. And some of the policies that were created in um, during the Reconstruction period was a policy for education for all. Many times we overlook and we think that education was free for everyone. Prior to Reconstruction, if you were white and wealthy, your children could attend school. So that meant masses of poor whites, Native Americans, Asians, and other races did not have an opportunity for an education. So it is through the black governors that they put into legislation that um, all citizens of the United States, or all citizens of that particular state could attend school, public school. So my point is being, because African-Americans pushed the envelope of diversity in America, other racial groups will piggyback upon that movement. 
And what we see happening with the all lives, quote unquote, movement or um, 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 blowback is more of a blowback than a movement. All Lives Matter is simply trying to diminish the role that white people play in the pain of those that have suffered and lost their lives at the hand of police brutality or other civilians who have deputized themselves. So historically, we see that it is the African American that says, okay, America, you wrote a constitution that if you look at it, it includes all men, but in the application, the functionality of our day-to-day -day life and our society is very exclusive for white men. And so as African-Americans, we have to raise our voices and our concern that this is not working for quote unquote us Americans. So to the picture of the man that said, let's not make it about race. Why not? Hmm. If he wanted to raise the issue that police brutality is an issue, okay. There's many races that um, are in the uniform and there's many races that may suffer police brutality, but that is not the issue that he's raising. So again, statements like his only further to distract from the real problem or the main problem. And I say this, um, I believe it was just yesterday that uh, I believe it was the state of California that approved a reparations bill for their mm -hmm. state. And then the Native Americans are saying, well, we need reparations too. We want to get in on the reparations for African Americans. And if you ever look back at reparations that were paid to Germany, France, Japan, it's paid to that racial group that was harmed and is done singly. They didn't mix up the reparations for France and Germany. They paid France what France was due. They paid Germany what Germany was due. So to that end, I do not think that we should mix the reparations for the others, but that's, that's the continued history of piggybacking on everything that the African-Americans do. And with that, I'll yield the floor. Oh, I like that. Yield the floor. Got you. All right. <laughs> Mr. Martin, floor is yours. Yeah, let me just, let me just piggyback on that. Um, bunk that whole ideal of all lives matter. The, the, the whole point of this is that they never saw black lives mattering at all. So because they 
talking about non-African-Americans never saw Black Lives Mattering at all. It's imperative for us to talk about Black Lives Matter. Black people matter. Black ideals matter. And I wouldn't dumb it down to, to saying all lives matter. I, that the, the, the given with white folks is that when they say all lives matter, they only talk about themselves. So we need to have a, a singular message. The sister was absolutely correct. When it comes down to reparations, everybody tries to jump on the bandwagon. However, our situation is unique. The Native Americans actually have received some reparations. We've not received anything. We've not even received a, a national apology, and that wouldn't be enough. So everything that we do has to be singular in, in focus. We need to come together as one voice. We need to come together as, as one people. When I'm talking about African-American people, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about Americans. I'm talking about Black folks here who built this country on our backs and who have suffered at the hands of the folks who put us to work with no pay. Do we need reparations? And this is kind of get away from, I, I think the biggest challenge that we have is, is the fact that, that we're always so inclusive. So I think the Black folks need to stop being inclusive. We need to be selfish at this particular point. They were selfish about, uh, about putting us to work. We should be selfish about getting paid for that work. And if we looked at, at what that monetary value should be, um, and, and Sister Anita could probably go back a little bit further and, 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 and give education on, on what actually happened with, with the 40 acres and the mule, which of course uh, we never received. We got Joe at that particular point also where they, they decided to throw a bank in the mix and, and, and have us to believe that it'd be better for us to borrow the money instead of getting the 40 acres in a mule. But it's important for all of us that we have a single message and that message should be Black Lives Matter. And anyone that says anything other, um, they don't even deserve the conversation of whether or not all lives matter or not. There's an awesome song and I'll end with this that said, what a fool believes he sees, no wise man has the power to take it away. So some of these folks, if you try to have these conversations, it's what a fool believes he sees. And you just wasted your time when you're trying to have that conversation with them about whether or not Black Lives Matter. We need to have a single focus. Stick with that focus. Stick with that message. Become one in unity and move forward in requesting, demanding, and explaining exactly what we want for reparations. Hey, all those... Uh... I agree with each and every one of you what y'all exactly said. As you can see, I'm sitting over here continuing to uh, write notes and all that great stuff. But um, which lead me to this question that I'm going to give to you, um, Mr. Martin. So my bow buddy who just, I don't think y'all saw that comment that I put up like a while back where he said, unfortunately, this stems from media nowadays. Hopefully yeah, he's still watching. Um, so to follow up to what he is saying, I'm gonna get my end. I'm gonna ask the question. Me have been doing this to us for a while now, since the first newspaper to the last broadcast of the day. We have always been scrutinized to being the the evil black man or the evil black people. If you can go back to when when it comes to us, this black man or you know when it comes to white folks it's like the lone gunman and all that stuff so this is not the media nowadays this is what the media have always been 
So to to ask this question to you, um, Martin, for the media, do they play a crucial role in what they put, I mean, like, that they pushed out for all lives matter? Not talking about Black Lives Matter, but for all lives matter and just put them as, you know, the understanding rather than, you know, when they report on Black Lives Matter, there's something fishy, there's something wrong. Uh, absolutely. Let's be real clear. We can never expect someone else to do the job that we need to do, period. And I think that's one of the problems with, with our quote-unquote movement is that we're asking permission from the folks who, who, who quote-unquote, have the power. Power is not conceded. It's taken. It's taken. If we, looked at it, if we look at it from the standpoint of, of I can care less about the white people. I can care less about what other folks think. I care more about what we think and how we do things. And, I, and when we come into a position where, where we have the, the dollars and we have the power to create our own media, we shouldn't let that go. You know, I, I, I say this all the time. When, uh, I've had conversations with Oprah. Um, and I had conversations with, with, with Oprah on a few different occasions uh, because I didn't necessarily agree, although I, I appreciate what she's been able to mask. Um, I, I don't appreciate her delivery. Give me an example. She started to own that work. It was 100% or 94% African-American owned. And then she sold out for the dollar. So now I believe she owns 16%. She sold it. She sold the own network along with the, the other entities in, in, in uh, National Geographic and the other ones for $1.7 billion. Now, she was already making money with 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 her stations. And my thing is, in order for us to get a black message out, it has to be a black outlet. We're, I don't know why we expect other folks to give us fair representation when we ourselves don't own that, that venue. So we should go to the black-owned stations. We should only tune in on the black-owned stations. We should only buy black, do black, sleep black, stay away from eating crackers in bed, and continue to, to do what we can do uh, in order to support ourselves. I'm all in favor of, of black businesses, black schools, black communities, black money circulating in the black community. When other folks see us do it for ourselves, they'll come to the door knocking. Uh, that, that's true. We saw it with the black Wall Streets and then all of as I call them, chocolate cities, as George Clinton would have called them back in the day. Um, question still, still up. Um, Beast Johnson, you have the floor. Um, I want to start off with the old adage, perception is reality. And there's always been truth to that. But for blacks in America, it takes on a different approach and a different term at term I started using was perceptive image. The way in which you carry yourself, you build all these things, people build up this automatic personality about you. Like for me, example, when most people see me on the street, and I've, I've been told this since about 14, 15 years old, if you catch me on the street listening to some music, just minding my own business in the zone, Folks say you, you look so evil, like you about to go beat somebody up. Like, 
like you like you like the last person I want to make mad. Like somebody that pissed you off. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm actually listening to Blind Miller right now. I'm feeling very happy. <laughs> you know, when like I'm six foot, about a good two sixty with these dreads, my boys, the way I carry myself, I come off very domineering and dominant to a lot of people. And some, a lot, and some people are very taken off and taken back by me just for simple things. And it's nothing that I have done myself. It's just how they automatically perceive me. Because I have a low voice, if I speak up to make sure that you hear me, it can be perceived as me yelling at you or me being aggressive. When merely I'm just increasing my volume to make sure that I'm clearly heard. Uh, see, to me, you look like a king. Yeah, so, you know. You to, guys, to me, you look like a king, and that's the, that's the whole point. You look like a king. So carry yourself like one. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Let's stop worrying about what other people, how other people perceive us. Let's start wearing the mantle of kingdom, which is what we are. And that's the, see, that's the whole piece. It's like we're so worried about what everybody else thinks that we don't worry about what we know. Let's start treating each other. I, I say we walk around and greet each other as king and queen, period. I say we clutch our purses when we get around white folks. I say that we, oh, that, 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 without question, let's, let's let's start showing them how to treat us by treating ourselves that way. Man, I, I take, your six foot, take your six foot two sixty dread wearing <laughs> self, put a daggone crown on, wear a crown. And listen, let's enjoy this. Hey, out of fun, back in the day, I was doing a, I was doing Tom Joyner show. And the show was about that it was supposed to be I and Star Jones. And and Star Jones had had a, a nationwide date search and she had uh and she narrowed it down to three folks who she was gonna choose, who she was gonna date. And two of them were real cool brothers, and the third one was a white boy. And she chose the white boy to date. And it, it, it all this trouble came about because she chose a, a white guy over the two absolutely phenomenal brothers. And so Tom asked me to hold off on the show and come on the next day. Because they wanted to talk about Star Jones. And so when I came on the following day, I shared with them a little poem entitled Never Eat Crackers in Bed. It said, My grandmama established my taste bud at an early age, my big mama said. Savor the taste of chocolate chip cookies and never eat crackers in bed. Now, when I was young in the neighborhood, didn't look like me and Ritz was the first stand. I just went on being hungry, just starving myself because I wouldn't eat them crackers in bed. Now, when I got older and thought I was cool, I was hanging with this brother named Fred. Now, I noticed he didn't sound like me. He seemed kind of strange, maybe because he was eating crackers in bed. Now, one night, I snuck out, grabbed this cracker with this cheesy looking spread. Early next morning, my breast felt like tuna. My stomach was turned, and I looked at the crumbs of the cracker in the bed. So I called her my big mama and told her what I'd done. And with a very stern voice, she said, she said, boy, you're stupid. You're all messed up. I told you to eat the crackers in bed. She said, if you don't believe me, take a look at OJ and Tiger Woods, as she said, as she nodded her head. She said, them brothers wouldn't be broke if they ate chocolate chip cookies, but instead they ate crackers in bed. Stop eating crackers in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the girl, my life. That was awesome. 
That was awesome. Teach you that. was awesome. I shared that on time during the show, and at the time I was serving the city of Detroit, and our mayor was Mayor Dinazachi. And he put me in his office and said, You can't do that. You're 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 alienating our, our white audience. Let me look, I like chocolate chip cookies. I say, stop worrying about eating these daggone crackers in bed. We need to do. Let's stand up and be strong and stop being apologetic for the fact that 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 we deserve what we deserve. Black lives matter. They always have, they always will, and the difference is now. We're willing to step on your neck and get your knee off of ours to make the point that we matter. Mm. All right. Teach you got I agree. All right. Um, Thank you. I I enjoyed that last um, piece. Um, But I want to say this, two things. One, um, my very first trip to Africa was in 1997. And I was um, blessed to... Um, by many African garments, both male and female. And just the power of connecting with Africa, I've seen it transform in my living room. So I would call friends over that I bought outfits for, and I was like, come, you know, I, I got this outfit for you, and I'll let them pick out which one they want, and they would go change and come back, and, you know, with a stride like a king. And one by one, each of the men did that and each of the females did that. So I saw the transformation from just taking off the European clothing and putting on the African clothing. It instantly instilled pride and um, a pride that I know that each and every day that we should um, exhibit um, in our home lives and our professional lives. Also, uh, when I uh, was working for the county in Ohio, uh, every function that we had, I would always wear my African outfits. And a particular job, it was unique for me because I worked with eight different African nationalities, and they wore, you know, the uh, American-style clothing. And each function, they said, "Oh my goodness, I should have wore my outfit from home." So before I left there, uh, by the time I left, every African began to wear their own clothing from home. And then the African-Americans began to purchase those clothing. And every time we had a specific affair, we would come dressed in our African attire. So that way we were able, I was able to permeate the culture, the dress culture, um, and um, lift up that vibration and having that pride in self. Then the second um, point that I wanted to make, it goes back to the beginning and the formation of this nation. Well, well, after uh, Reconstruction, um, there was the film industry. And one of the most notable films uh, made during that time, it did a, a job on this nation and it has been perpetuated ever since. So in addition to having that pride, we have to break this cycle that's in this monster. Um, if you ever have a chance to take a, uh, a film class or a film history class, one of the first things that you will learn is that they will tell you that film is propaganda and that every film has certain um, tenets that must be met to qualify it 
as a valid film. And because this is America, America has an idea or ideal that they want to project as the American ideal. And that's why these tenants always have to be in the movie. And I'm going to go off on a tangent, but I'm going to come back. Um, so if you see these apocalyptic films uh, where, you know, the earth or the world as we know it ends, and at the end, there's always two humans left, a male and a female. The whole world is decimated. So think back in your mind, any apocalyptic film, you never see two women survive at the end. You never see two men survive at the end. At the end, it is always one man and one woman. And their job as you know, the sun is setting and the credits are rolling across the screen, their job is implied that they shall repopulate the earth. That has to be in every film. If it's not in there, it is not a film, okay? So having said that, understanding the basis of propaganda. Uh, in 1915, a man by the name of D.W. Griffith <laughs> created a film that was originally called The Klansman. And they changed the name to The Birth of the Nation. And the purpose of this film was to instill fear in the North instill fear um, in the Republicans because uh, prior to the um, Emancipation Proclamation, most or the majority of Blacks lived in the South. So with creating this film called The Klansmen and their campaign of redemption, their purpose was to, quote unquote, educate the North on who and what this newly freed um, African is. And it paints the picture of the black man being a beast, that he's always horny, and he's looking for white women to ravage, okay? Um, the black woman as the sexual Venus, she's just ready to have sex with every white man 24 hours a day. Then they explored the whole idea of the black mammy and the tragic mulatto. So all of these stereotypes and, and, the, and the Sambo character, all of these stereotypes began um, actually before this movie, but it was put in film. And it was so powerful, it gripped the nation. And at that time, the NAACP was, um, had, was strong enough to at least get it not to show in certain cities. So I'm seeing all this to say that we have very powerful media tools that are being unleashed on us all the time. And this may have been the first one, but there have been many more. And they get into your subconscious. And so that is the other part of the beast that we have to tame is the thought that that hard concrete jungle that we're trying to survive in. So yes, we put on the African clothes. We put on the, the mind of a king. We, have, we walk in our divinity. 
We walk in our godness. We walk in our goddessness. And at the same time, when we have, um, when we are in our God state, we have to fight our enemy. And our enemy is the media. And the media is very persuasive. Uh, people just believe without fact checking. They believe without um, any critical thinking. So uh, it's, it's more than taking your place. Once you take your place, your position is to fight to hold your place. And I yield the floor. Right. So it's not right for me to give out the questions and don't answer it myself. So going back, trying to put everybody statements into one, but to Mr. Martin's point, ownership, ownership, ownership. Mm-hmm. You got to own it. I mean, that's that's the first step in controlling the narrative, a.k.a. I'm going to keep saying it this show. Um, but I mean, I give Roland Martin props. I give um, other platforms out there that's actually going out on a limb with podcasts and be like, you know what? I'm sick of tired what I'm hearing on Fox News. I'm sick of tired what I'm hearing on CNN. I'm sick of tired what I hear on my local news. I got to do something. But I can't go. Let me go back to what I said like a long, long time ago on the show. We got to get the news from somewhere. So I say if I could trust any news source that I get, it has to be from the local news. CNN, yeah, they are owned by a conglomerate just like everybody else. But don't forget, there are reporters that actually are putting in the word that, yes, they do be like, hush, hush. If you're not meeting the status quo, it's not going to be pushed out there. So by me saying that, you know, we need ownership, I'm not taking away from the reporters that's working for these entities that actually is putting in the work. But ownership is the answer. And I believe there is another all-black news media. I forgot what's called. I think it's called the BlackNewsChannel.com. I'm giving them free free press. They did not pay me. Just let y'all know. Don't even cut the check neither. But there's actually a platform out there that's actually doing uh, black news out there right now. But I'm not only just talking about ownership in media. It's ownership in um, land, ownership of like all types of businesses, which I've been seeing growing rapidly which is which is great small it's a small step but guess what steps are being made and even from the one sources that i you know that i tend to watch more they will always say those things that y'all all have said and it just made me just sit back like you have a lot of these black activists or black politicians or these analysts that are black on these shows have them as guests Y'all having a kumbaya moment, but when they're gone, you go back to the same old, same old. And it's getting to the point where it's just like, you know, why should we come back on these shows? Bad enough, the only time when you would use a black analyst or a black contributor is when it's dealing with issues like these. That's the only time. It's never a time where they will use them to talk about, you know, world issues, stop, stop dealing with Africa or stock market or anything like that. I think I got to give the devil's due. Fox News is the only one 
is the only network that actually have a black man with his own show, and it's a um, stock market show, and that's Fox Business. But you know, who watch Fox Business? People watch Fox News. Fox Business is like the second tier to the actual big network, just like Fox Sports One, and you got FS2 or ESPN and ESPN2. Who watch ESPN2? Just saying. So ownership, ownership, ownership. And one of you, I think two of you actually brought this up, and this is going to lead to my next question, which I'm going to start off with teach. Reparations. If you was drawing up the bill, what would be the main, like the first thing that you would put in that bill? That is a very, very, very good question. Um, for me, reparations, I believe that we, um, we have reparations to collect from more than one source, more than one land base. Um, for me, I would look to Africa for reparations, um, specifically in Nigeria, where there's oil. Um, South Africa, where there's diamond, Angola, where there's diamonds. Um, I want my land. I want my land that my family lost because they were removed from Africa. And who's not to say that any of those lands that's bearing those minerals is not my original homeland. I'm quite sure if we do enough research, we can get right back to the very tree and plot of land that my people came from. Um, so for reparations, it's two part. I would want African reparations in terms of land and um, to the monetary, I mean, the monetary um, reparations from um, the United States, all of the private uh, families that own slaves that are still in business today. Um, families like the Massengills, uh, if you notice the female products, uh, they were uh, slave owners and they have made their money from slavery and they're still in business today. And look into all of the banks, insurance companies, um, Barclays Bank um, and others and make them all accountable. Now, uh, the argument is, yes, it was my family, they owned slaves, but I myself didn't own a slave. And the argument still is, but you're still spending the money that my grandmother did not get. So even though you personally did not own slaves, but you have benefited from that um, egregious act of taking uh, or not providing the income for the labor that built your family, the wealth that it still continue to possess today. Um, we've seen with this COVID-19, how the United States of America just pulled a trillion dollars out of the air <laughs> and um, validate that cost in terms of reparations, which it would probably be more than what they did. But uh, for so many years, or uh, people believe that the United States just wasn't capable of coming upon that kind of money. 
Uh, one narrative that I do not like uh, when I hear uh, certain reparations um, is the notion that African-Americans are not capable of handling their finances. And my position is whether they are or whether they are not has nothing to do with the fact that uh, the invoice has been printed and you need to pay. Mm. Now, uh, I'm sorry, Chief, go ahead. Yeah, so, um, so that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, we have many um, areas to look into. Uh, if you look into CARICOM, which is the uh, conglomerate of Caribbean islands, they put, to, put forth a reparations bill that outlined various things that they want. Um, and they sued the UK and they lost. And what's happening in the United States, um, the last I checked, they were looking at um, the reasoning uh, that have been presented as to why they lost their case so that the United States can build their case. Um, and another component, um, I've seen the question asked, uh, would the 1% rule uh, be in place for who would get reparations? And I think we need to look at that percentage rule. And the reason why is because I... I, I suspect that many non-white mothers of mixed babies that have that 1% or 50% mixed blood, they're going to be the first one in lines and they're going to get a check for their children before you and I get a check, <laughs> before yep. you know my mother get a check, um, my great-grandmother get a check. So I think, um, I think DNA tests would have to be um, in line and in order, because I do realize, and I've seen this play out with the reparations of the Native Americans and the benefits of the Native Americans, there are individuals that are Caucasian that would claim that they are Native American and to receive whatever benefits uh, that Native Americans uh, receive. And I've seen this play out in the state of Kentucky. I was just really yep. floored. Mm -hmm. as to how many um, uh, Caucasians claim that they're Native American. Backstory and... to that was, I, I was, we went there together and she was surprised. I wasn't because I was oh, yeah. We did go. Yeah, we, did we, go. Were, we was there with a couple of the other classmates and the look on your face was priceless. She was looking like... <laughs> I'll just put you where, like where are the Native Americans? Where Why? are the Native Americans? We were at a powwow. <laughs> and I, where, I was expecting to see the Indians. I wanted to see the Indians. Yeah, <laughs> you <that's>, know, <laughs> in my naivete. But um, <laughs> even at the school that I worked at, um, there were some individuals. I won't say that they were not Native American because I don't know. Um, but they, they look Caucasian, but they had claimed the status of being Native American, uh, so that, um, the school would have, or could show that they had a diverse 
staff. Mm. There you go, Cheech. Um, before I jump to um mm -hmm. to uh Mr. Martin, um my bow boy right now, he's commenting and all that. So thank you. Goza, you actually the first person who had a different view, and this is what I've been asking for. And so I just want to just let everybody know if if you want to add on to the comment or like answer um, his comments that he made, the floor is yours. Um, Al Martin, if you don't have anything to uh, answer um, the question of reparations, it's on to you. The floor is yours. Um. One, I can't see the comments that the other people are are, are, are making, but oh, okay. as far as reparations are concerned, the um, my first would be, and my first of many, the, the very first would be property. Um, I, I, I love what Sister said about uh, about uh, property back in the in the motherland. Um, however, I don't know how that I don't know how that would would uh, or how that would look. Um, and and I, I say that only because the the term reparation in itself is a payment uh, from those who who have basically done us wrong. Uh, here in the United States, for me, my, my first would be property. The second would be the finances to work the property. The third would be the finances for education. The fourth would be a total calculation of, of every single dollar that was not paid before um, in today's standard to be, for that to be calculated per day, per week, per month, per year, um, and then add COLA, the cost of living allowance to it, um, and then that be given on top of, on top of um, free education. I'm talking about higher education uh, on top of seed dollars for whatever business, um, and that should not be contingent upon somebody else's approval, uh, on top of the dollars to to farm, produce, uh, build thereon, and and the property in and of itself. And so the the, the property, rather, that's the 40 acres that, that we never received. Um, and, and by the way, uh, it's real important to understand what has happened in other parts of the world. Um, the black loyalists that were were uh, the blacks in the Holocaust of slaves that, that in the Holocaust of slavery that followed the white loyalists, those who were who loyal to, to to England, and followed them up the east coast up to Canada and the Nova Scotia area, uh, and in the Newfoundland area. Um, all of those black families were uh, received a hundred acres of land. Um, in the '60s, in the in the the end of the '60s uh, of the 1960s, um, many of those white folks in Canada went and reclaimed the land from the black folks because the black folks uh, were never shown how to get the deeds of the hundred acres that they were given, and they were given these hundred acres in in three areas two of which were known as West Preston and, and the Prestons. Um, and it's some beautiful land. As a matter of fact, I got a chance to go through Mother Rosa Parks to try to help some of the, uh, some of the Black Canadians uh, secure their land. So it's real important that not in, a, in addition to just receiving the land, um, that all the rights, uh, the mineral rights, the, the finances to, again, to build on that land, uh, all of the, the dollars that would make up 
an, an educational attainment that would be equivalent to, to the best of the best of education in this country and the dollar that would be calculated again from in today's standard for every single day that our ancestors put in work here that were not paid plus the cost of living uh, allowance added on to it. So that would be my, my start as far as looking at reparations. Okay. I would just, if, if I just want to read off a list. It's the 10 point plan um, that was put forth through CARICOM. And I'll just read off the titles, not necessarily um, the definitions, but one, they want a full formal apology, two, repatriation, three, indigenous people development program, four, cultural institutions, five, public health crisis, Six, illiteracy eradication. Seven, African knowledge program. Eight, uh, psychological rehabilitation. Nine, technolo technology transfer. And 10, debt cancellation. Mm. So that was the 10 points that they put forth through CARICOM um, that failed. Um, that failed. Um, and they did not win. So... Not, not, not I one believe of those they're in appeal status. Yeah, not one of those 10 points uh, addresses property, finances, back payment. And, nope. and that's what, and that's, and, see, and that's the point that I want to make. We, we need to make sure that, that whatever we present, that it's, a, that, that it's in totality, that it's a grandiose plan, that we look at every, every facet of it. And that has to be it has to include the foundations of wealth in this country. Those foundations, the number one foundation is land. So, yeah. it, so it has to have land. Number two is finances, our finances. So we, it has to include finances. Number three, it has, to, it has to include the reparations of retribution. That would have to be a dollar amount that would go towards every single hour that was spent um, working. And those are the things that, that I I love everything else that's on that list. But if that top 10 doesn't include those top three, then we've missed the point. Huh. And right, then I would like to address um, was it David Gosa? Yeah, David um, He wrote he wrote that um, uh, da, 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 da. Which, which comment? You talking about the first one? No, not the first one, because he's written a lot. But basically that he doesn't have any money, and therefore he doesn't feel, and I hope I'm not oh, quoting him wrong. I don't want to misre misrepresent him. Oh, yeah, but, um, but, but the thing is that I want to point out is that with the research that's being done, not every white racial group was actually slave owners. So if you really know your history, and you didn't own slaves, your family didn't own slaves, that they're not going to take anything from you. They can't really take what you don't have anyway. And that's, that's something that needs to, um, how could I say, people that don't or didn't own slaves, they feel somehow special. They feel like, oh, they're going to come after me because I'm white. No, only certain racial groups within the white um, ethnics actually own slaves mm -hmm. so 
so the Irish people would be negated because basically they didn't own slaves. They came over here slaves themselves. And the Irish did. So, the Irish did own the Irish did own slaves, though. My my family, which we 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 happen to be the Martins, happen to be one of very few who have actually traced our roots all the way back to our first ancestor that came from Sierra Leone um, here, and it was actually a, a an Irish family that that uh, that we were purchased by. So the the but the, the the key on that though is not the individual; it's the country. The country has benefited from the from the backs of. Uh, from the from the backs of of those in the Holocaust of slavery, it wouldn't be about going to the individuals. It would be about this country paying for paying the reparations, because the country this country was built on the on our backs. So I'm I'm not worried about going to the individuals. I'm worried about the, this country paying the debt. Let the let the country go and and get the money back from them. But this country, right. uh, this country was built uh, on the backs of our ancestors. You basically doing this. Hey, this is what you owe. Oh, gotta take care of it. Absolutely. I got you, Mr. Martin. I got you, Mr. Martin. That's that's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they do it with uh with college students that haven't with these debts that they're probably gonna finish paying off by the what by the top day they die. Hey, we yeah. just he just reversing the roles on you. So whatever you get that money, that's your problem. As long as I get what I'm owed. We fine. But until then, go ahead and work on paying that invoice. So to Beast Johnson, we've been leaving you out, Beast Johnson. Go ahead. What, what do you I, think? I, I, you on the I, I'm like uh, I'm like you just sitting back enjoying the conversation. Um, I agree with everything Brother Martin is saying. I will take it a step further. Um, we need the rights to our intellectual property. There you All, go. All anything that was created from a black mind, we deserve and demand the rights, present, past, future, in perpetuity. We came up with it. We deserve the rights to it. <laughs> yeah, you and, know, that would be that would be real interesting because because. They would have you believe that 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 those those fifteen or twenty items that they throw out there on the shortest month of the year, uh, that those those few things like the traffic light and the daggone golf tee, oh, it, uh, it goes uh, deeper than that. It goes mm -hmm. way deeper than that. Every time you sit on the oh. daggone toilet, you sit on a chair. When you sit back oh. on that daggone chair, I think of black men. When you no, drive when, your when car, I, when, I speak, when I speak of uh, intellectual properties, I'm not even talking about. Like brother, uh, brother Martin speaking in, in the materialistic, the physical sense, the actual product that comes out. I'm talking about on the other end of that spectrum, like like the three uh, black sisters that actually did the math to get somebody to the moon. Absolutely. I've done computer programming. I refuse to do it if my life was on the line. I'm never doing. That's too many lines to look at. <laughs> And to my last work, <laughs> like, mm -mm, like if you could be, and you have to be exact. And three sisters were enough mathematical algorithms. They deserve the rights that come from that intellectual part. That's intellect that came from their brain. Absolutely. On the product and the product, the physical product. If you're looking for it, 
is the national uh was the national Aer aeronautic space pretty much nasa i can't think of the correct term at the moment but mm -hmm. nasa is the physical product of their hard work of their intellectual property so we as black people we deserve rights to nasa that's right. I believe everything that we did, I mean, our hands night, we're basically in it with all these entities and with everything you see right now. Like, I just looked up shoes because I was about to go ahead and dissect this gentleman right here. Shoes. I just looked this up. A brother invented the shoes. Of course. But I want people to really sit here and think about life in America. Early life in America. Did nobody know how to do nothing and everything needed to get done. It was hard. Right. Leave it to a brother to, to say to himself, I'm tired of doing it this way. There's got to be an easier way, at least a smoother way. Like it, like me being a Ford fanatic, I, 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 love, I love Ford, but I did know that the very first car was created by a black man. I, I believe it was somewhere. Tell me if I'm wrong. I know it was somewhere in the vicinity of Ohio. Is that correct? Somewhere in that no, vicinity? It's not, no, no, it's, no, it's, no, it's not correct. There was a mm. brother driving around in Mississippi. There was a brother driving around in Mississippi 27 years prior to the model to the model A being being created. Yeah. No. Now that sound that sound better. I'm about to say his, it. His, about to his, last, his, his last name. I can't think of his first name. His last name was Brown. Because uh, yeah, I, I, I looked at it, I, I looked at the history, I just could remember, but they was the ones that made the very first car, the concept of the car. Ford is only getting credit for the assembly line, which people mm -hmm. just fail to understand. And then not to mention, freaking, when he did, for him to even start up for a motor company, he had to enter into a race, which back in the day was called a sweet states. And he won it, and there you go. You got the Ford Motor Company. But he actually went to them to get the concept. He actually bought the concept from them. Which um, goes back light. to Yeah. Like lights. The, the lights everyone's using right now, the filament inside of the light was created by a black man. The heart transfusion. Black man. I mean... like. <laughs> It's crazy. It's not When we make a mistake, we make a mistake when we start naming off what we invented. It would be easier for us to name what we did not invent. True. It would be a quicker list. It, it, yeah. It'd be a, a lot faster list. The I, I love it what you said. If if it was the intellectual, if if we receive credit for the intellectual the intellectual uh, property that that came from from the black male and female mind, exactly, brother Ghost. This, this that we'd have to we'd we'd have to we'd have to change the name of uh, of this country to the United States of a blackness. Yeah, <laughs> call it Little Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I, I'm gonna. I'm going to ask a question and give you a thought behind the question. The question is, for those that know the Bible, and I'm not inferring that it's a, a body of belief uh, or anything, I'm just going to ask a question. 
is a scripture that says, ye are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Seasons. Preserves. Yeah. It seasons. It preserves. Mm -hmm. So who is the salt? Black people. We are the salt because every invention comes from the black genius. Mm-hmm. We are the salt of the earth. Every technology that we created, the world uses. So when it says you are the salt of the earth, people think, oh, they're talking about the Jews. But seriously, what do they contribute? So we have to take what we think we know and apply it to what we do know. We do know that anything new that comes in forms of technology comes through the black genius. And not only just that teach, also I was going to go on to the music side too, because remember back in the eighties, hip hop was just, Oh, just nothing but brothers, you know, just hip hop and in New York. And they just, you know, just, Saying nonsense, shucking, jiving, drug dealers. Yeah, not, not. It was nothing but. And now look where it is at. It's a multi-billion-dollar business. Who actually owns a record label or actually owns their, you know, their rights to all their music and don't have to answer to nobody? I can name you two rappers off the top of my head that. Own their masters, one being ludicrous, and that was through savvy business. Mm-hmm. And those that, that that's currently alive. Um right. Prince owned Prince owned his Prince won his uh masters ownership his entire catalog right yeah. before he died. So just to put yeah. that out there for people like he died naturally, um, the man got all his money back plus some from the record label, and mm-hmm. they was mad. Besides, anyway, yeah, LL but- Cool J being the other one, but these mm-hmm. are two men that had to. LL had to do his entire deal first. He signed like a six, seven uh, album, fifteen year deal. He had to do that whole deal first, mm-hmm. and then the only way they could get him to come back was give him the master. Mm-hmm. And see, but see, that's my issue. Why should you have to go through all of that? And that goes back to my point of like, who fully owns like their master? Don't have to go through all the manipulations and all that stuff. Like, yeah, I'm gonna redo my contract. Or I see this calls up in here, or like, I just want to get out my contract. Who can say that? Let's 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 let's, so that so that we don't get lost. Yeah, let's go back to your question because your question was about reparations and 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 how we. And, and, and how we would divvy those things up, and and we can have the philosophical debate about about masters and things like that. I mean, there, there are different musicians who who, who who negotiated the rights for the masters, right? But we're talking about when we talk about reparations, we're not talking about the masters. We're talking about the creativity that went into it. We're yeah. talking about the we're, we're talking about what dollar amount. How would we satisfy the notion of reparations? And this is a conversation that really has to be had prior to to anyone sitting down with any government official and talking about who gets what because there has to be 
there has to be a calculation based on, on, as brother put it, the intellectual property, the sweat and tears and and off of our backs from the labor that we put in, the false promises of everything from land acquisition to voting rights, which by the way, we never received the right to vote. We received a congressional bill that's voted on every 20 years. Yep. I had brother attorney, I had I had brother uh, attorney Fred Gray on my show, who was the person who negotiated for uh, for the voting, the the our voting bill, which was thrown in with 223 well, other pieces of legislation and is voted on every 20 years. And I asked him specifically, as a matter of fact, I still have the copy of the tape. And one day, if I'm blessed to be invited back on the show, we'll play it so you can hear exactly what, what he was saying. He said that he had to do the best that he possibly could at that particular time. And the best that he can do at that time was getting our our congressional bill thrown in with 223 other pieces of legislation that is rubber stamped every 20 years. Now we say rubber stamped just because it's been stamped every 20 years. It, it was just stamped four years ago. But if if the powers to be decide not to stamp that, then much of this is a new point because we don't have a right to vote. So many of these things that we're talking about as far as reparations are concerned, we need to fully understand the things that we think we have versus the things that we actually have, the things that we think we that we think we should have versus the things we know we should have. And when we start talking about a dollar amount, we can't we can't pass this off. If we let somebody else determine what we get, they'd calculate every black person in America and say, okay, let's add a hundred dollars to the total number of folks and let's divide that after taxes and we'd all walk around with $75. No. Until somebody, un, until we sit down, truly strategize and actually come up with a true plan and not just have conversation, but actually take a look at, at in each one of those areas, put a dollar amount to those. Let me give you a real quick example. And, I, and please forgive me for, for if it seems like I'm monopolizing yeah, the conversation on the track. Go ahead, go ahead, but, go but back in, ba back in the mid 80s, um, there was a push for women's rights. And at that time, we did a calculation of what a housewife should be making. And I'm, I'm just put this in perspective of when we start talking about reparations. So we took a look at what a housewife, what her value is monetarily. And we're talking about in 1982, that we, that 1982 when we did this piece. At that time, her yearly salary should have been $147,000 as a housewife, taking to, take into effect everything she was doing from cleaning to raising to teaching to being a social worker, aspiring partner, a playmate, and taking a look at all those different things. Now, if at bro, that time I need, I need a lot, that was the value of a, a single lot, housewife, think about the fact that I we've had 400 lot, years of of being the surrogate parents to lot, other folks' children. Just in that awesome, in that bro, piece alone, if we calculated that dollar amount per year just for the sisters who took care of white folks' kids. Hmm. There you go. If if we simply just looked at that, now that's just one aspect. 
that we need to take a look at at, at everything and then come up with a dollar amount and then negotiate from, from there. So we've got so we've got meat on the bones of what we're talking about and we've got factual information that we can bring. Now, if that was the case, then the entire GDP of the United States should then be transferred over to black folks here who are the ancestors of those who built this country. Okay. Um, we got a little bit of background noise going on. I don't know what's going on, but um, but yeah, thank you for uh, sharing that, um, Mr. Martin. Martin, if you have that on you and you decide to come on the next show or probably another show in the future, you can bring that video on. Just send it through my uh, Facebook. Yeah. So um, so now I want to leave. Just want to lead to this next question. Um, black unity. So let's say, so let's say with the um, with black unity, we got everything. We got everything we wanted. We got everything, you know, everything black and white. We got all of our ducks in a row. Absolutely. And we put it forth, and also we get the right politicians, being the people that look like us that actually have our issues and knows what's going on, have it granted, what would that look like? And I will start with um, Beast Johnson. Mm. Well, as far as the paperwork or the aftermath of the successful paperwork? The aftermath. I feel like the initial... They're gonna try. To, they're gonna try to drag their feet like the emancipation. I, I do see that, but with technology and the height level of political correctness and awareness, they would drag their feet long. Um, I feel like one thing we would they would have to add into it would be. Uh, proper levels of counseling. You know, just have un- just have understanding black people stand by to talk to disgruntled, unnerved white people. They, they, they feel something like, look, this is not what y'all think it is. That This is not us coming with shackles and chains about to put you in the cotton field. This is just everybody owning up to their parts. Now we're going to live. Well, how you live? Like we've been doing. Just better. Mm-hmm. No need. There's no need. There's no need for you to feel weird. There's no need for you to say the N-word. But, you know, over time, the N-word will just become another word. And like we use it as a term of endearment, it'll be a term of endearment for you as well. But that's going to take some time. So I feel like initially, just need that that counseling. Gotcha. Well, you know, we, we get there. All right. Um, apologize. Um, we lost two two of our guests. That um, hopefully they're not having no technical difficulties or anything like that. But they're going to be popping into the show. For me, what unity will look like, I believe that we will be going to the old days of um, Black Wall Street, where you have thriving businesses, um, black businesses all together. And we won't be trying to go gung ho 
on let me see if he comes up trying to go gung-ho on trying to take each other out of business mr martin you're back i was just adding in my little two cents on the question um answering the question so floor is yours Here, Ms. Martin. If if you don't mind, would you repeat the question? Because I, I kind of lost the signal there for a moment. Okay. All right. Um, the question was black unity. After everything been said and done, this is basically after all the things that we asked for. What will it look like? Forgive me, I'm not sure if you can hear me or not. You yes, can hear you. Dollar, it would look like the black dollar circulating in the black community about 25 to 30 times before it leaves. It would look like doctors, lawyers, um, uh, sanitation engineers, teachers, um, unemployed, and everyone living in the same community. Assisting one inoculation in the city of Detroit, we're 83.4 percent African American in the city. 83 percent of those businesses should be black owned. Yes, per- percentage wise. Yeah. So those would the, it would look like colleges and universities uh, and the school system providing. Uh, Young folks, it would it would look like our young people are having uh, internet access and computers uh, there. It would look like the school system uh, would be set up in a monitor in a, a Montessori style, so that cookie cutter European version of education. It would it would look like a language was created uh, specifically to address the languages that are spoke in the inner cities. So it would be a total metamorphosis of what. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree too. Um, now, as far oh, as the business, the business ownership. hear me or not? Yes. Yeah, we can. We, we can yeah. hear you. You you're, um, you just coming in and out. That's that's the only issue. Yeah. Now, I will respectfully give. Calm down, mm-hmm. sir. Sorry about my ball. I will respectfully give like a good 70% or like, like I said, use the example of 83% population in the area is black. I would say a good 70% to be black owned because let's be honest, not everybody's business minded and not everybody's able to handle a business. So I say good right. 65 to 70%, but the other, the other end of that, the, the rest of that 83% should be employed by that. 65 to 70 percent yeah all right good point mm-hmm. now i get good to do point. this i get to do this because <laughs> mr martin there's one thing that we do on this show that i haven't done in a while well not i but we haven't done in a while where we look at uh youtube videos and we dissect them so I'm about to play a video, and not nine times out of ten, the videos that I play is videos I haven't seen myself. So this is the first time that not only just us, but also 
the audience. We will watch it together. And if you see anything that just triggers you a little bit or you just be like, oh, let me let me go ahead and correct that. You could just say stop or pause. Hey, you should have warned me, man. I could have I could have went and got a bottle beforehand so we could make a drink going. <laughs> the, the last the last one would have got me ripped. So yeah, I'm, oh, I'm definitely yeah. this one. So this is the thing that we do with the show. So I'm just gonna let just let you know and ask for permission that you are willing to take a part with this. Mr. Martin? Zoned out. Okay. Uh, hopefully he come back <laughs> in. He's <laughs> laughing. All right. So I'll take this. Yes. So let's go ahead and um, take this video off. Yes. Going on here. I'm kind of going in and out. So I'm not sure if I'll get a chance to see it or not. Oh, oh, you will. You'll be able to. Um, Are you able to see us on the screen? I can now. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. So here we go. So. Let me go and give y'all the opener of this video. So these are, they're called the conservative twins. They're two black brothers that look exactly the same. And in this video is them. (laughs) They're both are exposing the white lives matter and black lives matter. Once again, disclaimer, I have not seen this video by panel. Have you seen this video or heard of it? No. No, no, no. No, I had to change smoker for this because twin black conservatives. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So here we go. First of all, let me get my rear end straight. Hold on. Let me see. Uh, here we go. Brother Man back. Let's see what they're okay. talking about over here. I got so many tags. Okay, here we go. Black Lives Matter lie. Yeah, everywhere you go, I go to Grubhub, Uber Eats, Twitter, Facebook. Hell, I Instagram. Get, I get a telemarketer calling me. Please donate to Black Lives Matter. I'm tired of this damn lie, so I'm going to expose it. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. I got to show you because if I don't show you, you're going to call me a liar and a sellout and an Uncle Tom, and a coon. Bad things happen to all races by the cops. Yeah, that damn catchphrase, Black Lives Matter, yeah. it duped a lot of us, but it didn't get us. Yeah, it's catchy, though, but I didn't fall for it. Look here, first case. Newly released body camera footage of this police shooting shows Daniel Shaver's last moments. Police were responding to reports of a man pointing a rifle out of a hotel room window. You do that again, we're shooting you. Do you understand? Do not shoot me. Begging for his life. Now listen to my instruction. Damn. First pause. Yeah. Um, first off, I just get annoyed when I see brothers that look so so much like me say stupid things with the air of I've never personally had any first or second hand 
experience with police brutality, so there's no truth to it. That annoys me. But continue. Let, let, I just want to get that off my chest right there. Gotcha. Here we go. Do not put your hands down for any reason. You think you're going to fall, you better fall on your face. Your hands go back in the small of your back or down. We are going to shoot you. Do you understand me? An officer then orders Shaver to crawl toward him. Shaver complies, but then moves his right hand behind him despite the warning. Officer oh. Philip Mitchell Brailsford fires five rounds, killing Shaver. Brailsford was charged with second-degree murder over this January 2016 shooting. In an interview with police, he said he thought Shaver was going for guns, saying, quote, he could have easily and quickly drawn a weapon down on us and fired without aiming. And he could have hit us or the citizen that we had just false, detained. False, false. A gun was found on Shaver. Brailsford was acquitted last week. This kid is drunk. Yeah. He's begging for his life. Yeah. And the cop shoots him anyway. Yeah. The cop walks. Yeah, got acquitted. You didn't hear about it because he's white. Just imagine if this kid's name was Tyrone. A black kid crying. Imagine if this was George for begging all right, for all right, his... All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm going ahead and pause this. So let me go ahead and crush what they're saying about if it was a white person, then they wouldn't get this reported. Let's think for a minute here. Let's get something straight here. How many cases compared to when black people, when they have the black people? Let's think about it. They even says it in the stats that black communities are heavily are crowded with cops, even though I'm, I'm using play on words here, but cops are always in that neighborhood. So here in this story, probably in the predominantly white neighborhood, I mean, I'm not saying it's rare, but it's not that common. So for them to sit there as two brothers sitting there saying, well, this should have been reported. Well, CNN just reported it. CNN just showed that. And you get mad that he got acquitted. So why don't you use that same as that energy when these cops got acquitted when they kill black people? I mean, the only consistency that I'm not seeing here is both of y'all energies. That's my now, issue with that. Now, I heard one random consistency between that, that white boy getting shot and the average black man getting shot unjustly by the cops. And that's when the officer said, I felt as though he had a gun and he could have shot us. You are trained. You are trained. You are trained. Yeah. There is no reason why someone with training and more than four feet of distance and an assault rifle from that vantage point, even if he had a weapon, at best it was a handgun. And before he could even reach for it, you'd have took him down. Yeah. Yeah, you would think so. Anybody so else got anything to 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah, but even with that 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 many people on him, let's say for instance, yeah, he had a gun. You got SWAT gear on with a helmet, with the visor. Even if he's a crack shot, at best he's gonna hit your finger. He's not gonna hit any major arteries or any major body parts because you're already covered. Right. Calm down, sir. Right. I understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, see, he understands the too. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I was having technical difficulties and I did not actually see the footage, so um, I don't want to comment. Okay. All right. So you already we ain't that far in it, so yeah, we ain't that far in it. So we we just getting started. I mean, that that's I had the second stop and um, Beast Charge had the first. Um, and Mr. Martin, he's back in. He's having kind of technical difficulties on his end. So here we go. Let's continue. It's life. Yeah. It'd be front page news, but you didn't because it's some white kid with privilege. They're not going to show you that because, because they're trying to spin it like th this only happens to black folks. No. This case. Tony's the only thing we can get. Help me! In 2016, Tony Tempa called Dallas police for help. Yeah. You're going to kill me. And this is a tragedy is needless and avoidable. From a oh. Dallas parking lot, Tempa dialed 911 and said he was a schizophrenic, was off his meds, and had taken cocaine. Officers show up, but Tempa is hysterical, already handcuffed by a store security guard. He's then restrained like this for about 14 minutes, and officers can be heard laughing as Tempest's face is buried into the ground. Jeff Henley is representing Tempest's family against the city of Dallas in a federal lawsuit. He says officers knew Tempa was on something and should not have restrained him this long. From this, you know, radically prone position, Tony is going to suffer asphyxia. When Tempa does stop breathing, officers continue to crack jokes. Sleep? Yes, snoring, that's what it was. But they stop in their tracks when a paramedic says the 32 year old is he dead. He died just like George Floyd did. Yeah. Smothered him to death. But this guy didn't have an extensive prison record like George Floyd, right? And what do that have to do with anything? <laughs> thank, thank you, Bill. What uh, uh, what do a person's past has to do with that? And I guarantee you, these two, I can't believe I'm about to say it. These two gentlemen. No, there's nothing gentle about them, man. No. They probably had to go way back into some video archives to find that, which proved this point that I said earlier. Cops heavily populate the black community. They go and police there more than they would do in a common white area. This is why we got marches like Black Lives Matter. That's why they out there protesting because I guarantee you it probably took them days or they probably knew somebody in the media and even the person in the media looking these videos up probably took a while to find videos like these. And then also these videos are not even recent. 
I promise yeah. you. I guarantee they probably, I would say, I'm going to be nice, probably three years ago, maybe even four well, years ago. The first one was four years. Mm-hmm. Up so and- let, let me ask you this. Help, help me out here. So their argument is, is that uh, white people are being killed by the police just like black people, but the media is not blowing up the white on white violence is that what is that their position that's the yes. underlying perception that, yes. that 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 they're trying to get to that would be okay well the, the fallacy of that is like i said earlier is that um blacks are crying out because it is happening to them and if it was a question of police brutality where is the police brutality movement to cry uh, out for all individuals mm-hmm. that's getting killed by the police? Because, yes, this is an example of when the police, you know, are trigger happy. And it happens across, it, it happens mm-hmm. across racial lines. It does. But yeah. in what percentage is, and it hasn't happened so much, where is the police brutality Lives matter. I mean, seriously, where is that movement? Right. So you can't tell me because my foot is cut off. Right. I am in excruciating pain that other people have a similar pain and I should be quiet. No, that's all wrong. If you want to lead the movement on all people who have suffered police brutality, fine, because I know they have been several um, police brutality cases around the whole United States. But whether they have come together in one movement, that I can't tell you. And yeah. obviously they can't either. Yeah, I mean... What they're trying it's to just... diminish, diminish the cry. They're trying to mm-hmm. null the ears, null the senses of for the black lives that have been taken um, without any thought. Yeah, and I actually got into it with somebody on Instagram, actually two people on Instagram when driver Bubba Wallace, I, I mentioned that on, on Friday's show, about him, yeah, who actually came out and said, you know, he wore the Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. Uh, somebody on the post sitting there saying, well, you know, I got pulled over and all that stuff, and I just told him straight up, I said, in your white privilege, you, I mean, you didn't die. And he basically used the same as that argument that these two guys are trying to put out there. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll meet you in the middle. Where's the protest? Where's the protest for all lives matter? Where's the protest for, like, we get it too. Like, y'all should have the same exact energy as Black Lives Matter is. I mean, let me be devil's advocate. A lot of the ethnicity, definitely white folks, and this going to hurt people's feelings, but you know what I'm calling it like it is on this show. This is what Fade to Black is. A, a lot of different people of color have jumped on the bandwagon of black folks, and they benefited off it. Affirmative action is not even going geared to black people. It's geared to white women. I mean, these are realities that people fail to understand. Majority of the civil rights, look look who's getting the most civil rights now. That is the gay community. 
Where do the black fall? We do the work, but we don't get the rewards. We don't reap the rewards. We get the blood, sweat, and tears, and we get the accolades for like, yeah, they bring awareness to it. And for these guys to be this disingenuous is is disheartening. But you know, when you you jump to a side, no matter mainly conservative, conservatives pay a lot of people a whole lot of money, a whole lot. Yes, but pay them a whole lot of money to sit there and push out their agendas and all that stuff. Well, I'm happy it goes. I didn't hurt your feelings. <laughs> but um, but for them to spew out this, and, and I was listening to, not trying to ramble on a little bit too much because we're going to continue on the video, but since I got it in my head, when people sit there and they say these things, oh, they just said their opinion. Y'all know how I am about that. It's all about the statement. It's a statement. But now it's coming to a point where when people spew this stuff, when they say these things, they keep telling when they say these things, it's become dangerous because you got impressionable, you got impressionable minds out there that would take this and they will run with it. Mm-hmm. And they will sit there and they will say, well, I heard it from these two guys. They said that it's true because you got people who won't do the read. I break it down Search. to a debate. And it sucks for it does it's, suck. It's so, crazy. Because w- what this is supposed to be is a debate. You have points. Right. Uh, and there's a counterpoint. Now, for every point I have, you must have a counterpoint. And here's the problem with the All Lives Matter versus Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is the talking point. Well, right. you have, if you just want to use the subject of police brutality and being unjustly shot for no apparent reason. The points is the points that I have just for that particular topic are endless. How many points do you have? Right. I could rather all day on just the police brutality aspect of why black lives matter. How many valid counterpoints do you have? Take the emotion out of as a black man. I could take the emotion out of, um, Somebody posted a comment on Facebook and it went, what was the first time you ever had a gun pulled on you? Or I had had a gun put on you by the police. And it was just so many brothers commenting. And there were some white people in there as well, some other ethnicities. But going back to the disproportionate of it, the ages for all the blacks. I myself was 13 first time I had somebody had a white man pull a gun on me. Huh. You had people that were eight, nine. Most of the white kids was like 20s, teens. All the blacks barely most of us had experienced that before we experienced puberty. Ain't that something? That's crazy. That right there is very systemic, and that right there it only further proves the point of Black Lives Matter. Because if we don't stand up, 
and do what we need to do for ourselves. If we allow them to sit there and kill us, hey, Mexicans, you think you ain't next? Right. Hey, Asians, you think you ain't short behind? Hey, Punjabs, hey, Hindis, hey, Shiites, hey, Arabs, hey, enter your nationality or your heritage. If they take down one, you think they ain't going to go after you? Kill you after they milk you dry. Mm-hmm. And see, so if we to... sit here and allow it, y'all right behind us. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's next man up. <laughs> next man. Next group up. <laughs> exactly. You better. You better wise up. Mm-hmm. Speaking of wising up, let's see what else these guys got to say. And the cops are mocking the dude after he's dead. He's saying yeah. he's sleep. Yeah. All right, one more point. When you said they said the cops were mocking this kid, um, remember um that one kid that that um shot up all those uh church going folks in yeah. Yeah, 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 that guy. Remember when when the cops apprehended him and took them to the car and then took them to Burger King, bought him a burger, and then one of the cops said something in the words of I'm kind of paraphrasing about the n-words and all that stuff so you go sit there and say where the cop mocked them where you had cops literally taking basically a terrorist to burger king after they arrested them and look then, i've been i've been arrested i ain't never got a trip to burger king beforehand I Wasn't got no king before booking i can tell Remember, you that much only thing i can say is this, when i got arrested we went by a Burger King. We went by. Yeah, we passed by. <laughs> we went by McDonald's. You know, we went by an Arby's. Um, I can name all the restaurants, including Chipotle. I mean, we, we went by them. We we ain't stopped there, but we went by them. Anything that basically that message, that message um, sent to me and the world is they were congratulating Dylan Roof for a job well done. Basically, mm-hmm. I mean, one of the cops. I, I, I need to go How back. this reward? Yeah, I, they, I they, to they basically told him it was a couple less niggas in the world. Good job. Yeah, yeah. and that's what the conversation basically was. I need to go back because I knew one of the cops did say something in the lines of with the M word and about like you shouldn't ever be, you shouldn't be apprehended and all that stuff. But I mean, it's nice. Not even just a criminal, but a terrorist, basically a domestic terrorist, and just give him a burger. I mean, I mean, hey. You want onions on your uh, Whopper? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he probably got with cheese, too. Whopper with cheese. All right, was it dope? He you didn't hear about it because he's white. <laughs> Imagine if this guy was a black guy. Two police officers standing over a black body, laughing. Not going to hear about it. Doesn't fit the media narrative. Yeah. Next case. Police body camera footage captured Wait, the shooting. You shoot know what? The moment Uh-oh. officers Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, listen, the media is not going to talk about it. What has been so prevalent in these cases that are coming out is that the citizen is taping it, going live on social media. And only after it blows up on social media that news jump in and take it. So it's not that the media is just like, oh, another black man got killed. No. People. But when he start hitting a million hits, two million hits, 
Oh, we got to tell them. We have to be the first to cover this story. Mm-hmm. So, um, and um, you know, they're 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 off base. Oh, they're really off base. But hey, we here to go ahead and correct. Yeah, yep, basically. And these are the people you need to watch out for, and that they're dangerous not only to the culture but also to the world and society that we know it. They're dangerous to your life. Six-year-old Jeremy Martist, who is autistic, died in the front seat, shot four times. His father, Chris Few, was critically wounded. Speaking publicly about that night for the first time today, Mr. Few told the jury, officers gave no warning before they opened fire. I had my hands in the air, Few testified. I put my hands out the window. They kept shooting. Several witnesses also told the jury Mr. Few had his hands up, which body camera footage appears to confirm. But Officer Derek Stafford's attorney says he and his partner acted in self-defense after a two-mile pursuit. He negligently um, and intentionally uh, reversed his vehicle in uh, an attempt to hit the officer. Gotcha. Few admitted to drinking that night. but told- Yeah, I was about to say something. Good thing you said something first. Um, from his candor from his tone and eloquence and dramatic pausing. I pl- I got to play the conspiracy. I got to be the Dick Gregory. To, to just, to just call it out for what it is. Those black officers were there, but they most likely were not the ones that shot. But mm-hmm. they take rap for it. Because he's purposely... Yeah. Yeah. Every black man knows... You know. He he talking he talking like he got caught like he almost got caught he got to explain it to his girl and he trying to make sure he say the right words that don't send up her antennas. That's is what this man is doing now. He's paying cover up exactly, and you see that countless times. There's there's plenty there's plenty of black cops or quote-unquote black dirty cop that got caught up because they happened to be around the wrong white folk and that white person got caught up. They'll believe Derek is a dirty cop before they believe uh, white Craig. So I'm just going to leave a name. And if Tish, if you don't have anything to add, or I, I'm going to say it and then I'm going to leave that to the video. Ain't they that? Teach. I'm listening. Yeah, I said if you have anything to add. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to leave you with this name, and then we're going to go back to the video to sum up this part of the, of the video that we're watching. Tamir Rice. Exactly. I mean, Tamir Rice. If y'all haven't heard of it, What's that teach? 12-year-old boy playing on the playground. Mm-hmm. So they're wasting their tears. I'm not saying this story or instance, you know, is not justified, not saying that, but at least their father was there with them. Tamir Rice was by himself at the park. And they thought that he had a handgun which turned out to be a toy gun, and they shot him within, what, 12 seconds. 
Let that marinate a bit. No, no. This is what you need to let marinate. There, there are black people. Like I grew up not owning certain type of toy guns for that exact reason. Yep. I got suspended from school for having a little toy gun, no bigger. It fits in the palm of a five-year-old's hand. Mm. And my father went ballistic. And it, was, it, it wasn't until Columbine that I realized why he was so heated about what happened, even though I didn't get into, into like real trouble. He knew what could have happened. Mm. They easily could have heard young black boy at an elementary has a gun. And they just shot my black ass. Yeah. So let's continue. Told the jury he would never hit an officer and only wanted to get his son to a caretaker so the boy wouldn't be involved in a possible arrest. The prosecution argues nothing few did that night justified the deadly response. Derek Stafford is on trial. And it's just a shame that they want to put the victim on trial. A six-year-old white autistic kid and his father gets shot up, gunned down by two black police officers. Now, the the, the father lived, but the kid didn't. Yeah. You didn't she, hear about this yeah. because the victims are white. Yeah, little boy, man, six years old, got shot five times. They emptied 18 rounds in that car. That uh, that horrible thing that happened to um, Tamir Rice, Tamir Rice up in Cleveland, yeah. right? They sing that out like this only happens to black kids. There's an article I yeah. found. Now tell them, Tamir Rice was a 12-year-old kid. Yeah, they got shot and killed because he was brandishing a fake gun, it a looked, toy gun, a toy gun. It looked real. It was a gun replica. Yeah, right? Car, cops roll up, shoot and kill the the young kid. Right now, this is not an isolated. I'm a, I'm a stop. I'm I'm a stop. You you realize that. He's there making excuses. If anybody's catching that, you realize that they're making excuses for Tamir Rice. Um, to, but oh my gosh, look what happened to these autistic kids to, and their father. To coin teach, if I could, they've been sleeping white, and they've been sleeping <laughs> white their whole life. They're, they're not only they're a product of white. I, I can't remember either they have a white mother and a black father, or they have a white father and a black mother. They are mixed. They are they are totally mixed. And so look at that, look at I think they genetics. did one of those DNA. Uh, I think they did one of those DNA shows, and because they're twins, their DNA came out different. But uh, <laughs> okay, now know, look. Look here. Look at them noses. Look at them faces. Look at them ears. Boy, you Negro. Yeah. You're, yeah. I mean, they are. They are mine. Mine. You know it's wilder than mine. But look at those lips. Yeah, look, no, no. No, they mulatto. <laughs> they ain't right. Louisiana I mean, life. They, 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 they ain't Princess Markle. They they they, <laughs> no, no, they are mixed. They, they think they did. You know, they think they're they Princess Markle in their mind. They they when they look at themselves, they see a white dude. They they, right. they see a white dude, a rugged white dude with strong chiseled features. No Negro. Do their do their background. It's the, I think it's their mother. I think their mother or mother or father. One or the other is 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 Caucasian. So. If it was their mother, mother, definitely the orientation. 
yeah, I mean, if they was the mother, they were raised white. That's all. Mm. So well, they're the, so far, far from the tree. So whatever the mother's views are, most likely they imbibe that mother's view because their mother was their teacher. If I'm mother looking at the first teacher, so um, you know they they are mixed people, so they will straddle the fence because they are the fence. Basically, right now, I'm currently looking up the parents right now, but let's continue mm -hmm. on with this uh, craziness. Incident. There's an article up on Washington Post written yeah. back in 2016 yeah. over the span of two years, 85 to 86 shootings by cops, people brandishing fake toy guns. Yeah. 50 of them that died out of the 86, they were white. Yeah. You didn't hear about it because it doesn't fit the media narrative. Yeah. That whole Black Lives Matter, it's a lie. That's that's why pisses people off yeah. in that organization, yeah. on the news. Yeah. That's why they mock people when they say all lives matter. No, all lives matter doesn't. It's not that. Yeah. It's just about black lives. Because if you say all lives matter, it kills that narrative. That narrative falls apart. Everybody knows that there's black men is not being gunned down by a systemically racist police force. They act like this damn United States is a damn, like a scene out of that damn movie, The Purge. <laughs> yeah. And they keep saying, look at the prisons. All these black people incarcerated. Why? Because of the color of their skin or because they was robbing people, killing people, yeah. committing crimes? Boss. If, if they're in jail Boss. because they're black? Boss. The systemic issues that come from one's perceptive image and color are always seen in the prison system. I'm I can I, I can attest I am one of the few black men and brothers that got a quote unquote white sentence because I didn't I was honest God was with me <laughs> and I ain't <laughs> snitch on nobody but how they would usually do brothers in jail. Like obviously I've seen that. Brothers doing 30 years and they 50 years old, over $60 worth of cocaine. Meanwhile, you got a white dude in here for double homicide and he'll be home in seven. Mm. You got brothers that like my uncle who through bad lawyering because they're not going to give a skilled lawyer to a black man. If they perceive you as being either incompetent or ill-equipped, they'll give you to that black man because they feel like, all right, we've done our part. Now we can really ensure that that black man goes to jail. You see this countless times. I take it a step further. I was in court and had a white man in the beginning of the court get sentenced to 30 days. He'd already done eight, so he only had to do like actually 21 days in county jail. And he cussed out the judge, called him every name under the book. Every black person after that got sentenced to prison. 
every black person that, that heard the same phrase, you are not a candidate for probation. Serve your sentence. Mm. There but was see, no there was no hearing anybody out. So these <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I apologize. Well, no, no, no. That, that's that's pretty much one way, like you for you to say ignorance like that. It goes back to my um, my earlier point. These are two individuals that have never had any kind of first or second hand experience, not within their core family unit, not within their core support system or their friend or their personal uh, circle. They've never had to deal with that at all. None of their friends have had anything close to it. So they have no real experience to latch on to. So all they can do is go on sound bites. Well, also you can see that they are very, they was very sheltered in their upbringing, as you can see, because I guarantee they never were exposed to anybody that looked like us. No, 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 no. What they, I won't uh, even say, I won't probably, look at that. Any black yeah. person that they were around was the call, it was the Boulay brothers, the successful blacks, the type of blacks you want to be, the type of blacks that got in and fit, got in to fit in. Mm, the one with the bow ties, you know, bow ties. The, the one with the white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I can see that with these guys. I, I guarantee you, just them going into a predominantly black Atlanta probably will just make the hair on their freaking arm stand up. You you can tell with these gentlemen. They live in yeah. suburbia, as I call it. I don't call it the suburbs, suburbia. And they've been living over there. they sheltered so they can talk on a perspective on the outside rather than looking in the inside. And you have to realize that you're black too. But as long as I keep saying this, I'm good. Long but you know the, the tragic part about that is, though, you run across white kids and white people that have the exact same mentality as they do. They have the exact same upbringing as they do. But they're yeah. more inclined to hear you out. And they're more inclined to have a civil conversation versus I can't call them our people because they don't relate and they go out of their way to not relate to our people. Right. Right. So these, out, these outcasts, outsiders. Mm. It's crazy. Anything to anything to add, Peach? I would just say that um, their point uh, we, we've talked about these other people that don't necessarily identify uh, with the African-American community. And they always either making a statement or doing things that says, I'm not like them. And again, these two fall in that category by trying to dismantle Black Lives Matter by showing that uh, white people are going through the same thing. And it still comes back to, if I'm crying out because I'm in pain, you cannot diminish me by saying another person is in pain. Right. I have a movement that's talking about all the people like me that's in pain. 
then either you can join the movement or start your own movement that you feel is so valid um, for White Lives Matter. White Lives Matter against police brutality. I mean, that's a police brutality issue. And you can have that rainbow coalition if you want to just always, I, I think, bottom line, it's just wrong to diminish a person's pain. Right. If you find other evidence, then let the people that's in that pain, let them cry out. Yeah. Because when white people don't like something, i.e. what we just recently witnessed with the COVID-19, they didn't like the stay-at-home order. So they armed themselves with military rifles and stampeded how many state capitals? <laughs> okay, they they started a movement. We we don't want to stay home. We think COVID nineteen. So they cried out of their pain. That was the manifestation of what they were feeling. Nobody had to tell them, or nobody had to diminish what they were feeling. We all just thought they was a little crazy. You know, but we didn't diminish their right to assemble. Basically, showing up with AR-15s or AK, whatever they are, that's an act of war. (laughs) But they were going and you know, they were being at home, and they did like the governor telling them they had to stay at home because they, you know, they felt that it was an infringement upon their rights. So, the manifestation, (laughs) they went out to the Capitol Uh to say their frustration. So, if the autistic child and the other drunk white man and the other high white man, um, you know, lost their life at the hands of police brutality, where is your movement? Yeah. Yeah, because basically what you're doing is just spraying complaints, basically. I have a better question question to add to this. If you feel so passionate about these issues of police brutality, why not join in and further understand that, hey, this movement is not just about the blacks. It's about everyone that has dealt with this systemic type of unjust police brutality. Yep. It's we just about, want to be the loudest once. Yeah, right. it's all about keeping the same energy. I mean, you know, you're sitting there saying, yeah, this is a free country. You realize the symbolism that they got in the back, they got a United States flag back there. So with that being said, you should understand where Black Lives Matter is coming from. But let's continue on with this uh, craziness, and then we're going to close out the show. This Come pretty, on. It's 2020. <laughs> it's pretty easy to get them out. You gotta have evidence to be in jail. Dan Chauvin's case, they're painting this like he's a white supremacist. Right. That he killed George Floyd because he was black. But why is that the default? Simply due to the fact that Chauvin was a white guy yeah. and George Floyd was black? I could see if there's evidence that this dude was a, in the KKK or yeah. he had racist emails. There's a history of racism, yeah. oxy tattoos or something. something. It's got to be something. Your default cannot be racist just because he's white and the victim's black. Yeah. That's being racist. Look, 
the four cops involved with George Ford's death, and yeah. that was a murder. Yeah. They all four of them need to be held responsible for that. Right. I'm not saying that. But the four police officers well. four white police officers. No. Two of them was white. Yeah. One was Asian. Yep. And the other one was black. Yeah. So how is this proved that there's systemic racism in the police force? Why does stop? I, I had enough. I, I, I had who enough. even brings up the argument? Who even brings up the argument? George Floyd was black, so Black Lives Matter. Right. Regardless I mean... of the race of the officers, but if they do further investigations, um, the club owner said. That they've they been working they together. Mm -hmm. They have a personal beef. to find out what was happening on the job. Because that, right. to me, tells me my And it that, does. you know, he, he, he wasn't a stranger. No, he wasn't. So that is, the fact that they work together tells me motive. Mm -hmm. And they need mm -hmm. to investigate and bring the charges to first degree. Because everything of that case reeks from the caller to whether or not it was a fake check to a fake $20 bill to, uh, you know, uh, the officers coming and passing the note, walking directly to him some several minutes after he left the store because the call wasn't put in until after he left the store, he was still sitting across the street and they walked directly to his vehicle and pulled him out. And there's three people in the vehicle, but they clearly identified that it's George. That's reeks of setup. There's no way in the world I can get a call on my radio and it says, uh, there's a black male, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I come to the scene. I don't even go to the store. I go directly to the vehicle. That reeks of setup all day long. It doesn't even take a rocket scientist to put those dots together. It's too many dots missing. Mm. And then the fake EMS. It was not EMS. Those were sheriff's deputies. Exactly. So, so that's, that's further mm. indicates to me a supreme setup. They had their own EMS waiting because they were going to make sure that man died. Whether he died at his hands on the street, or he was going to die and on the way so-called to the hospital without a real EMS check. That Derek Chauvin called in all his friends, hey, EMS, we need a truck, I need some sheriff deputies, these are his poker buddies, you know. That just, that just reeks of setup to me. Yeah, but, but for them to, to sit there and say those things, it is like the excuses were for the other cases but when it came to us, it was this, 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 this. And I promise you, I know on my timeline, they be posting a lot of these brothers. I'm not even calling brothers. They be posting these guys' videos to so they're saying, oh, they speak the truth. They they say everything correct. They said everything right. And I'm like, y'all never want to sit down and actually talk to somebody that is black or somebody of color and sit down and actually, how does it feel getting pulled over by the cops? Don't sit there when they tell you a story be like, well, I got pulled over by the cops. Nothing happened to me. That's the issue and that's the problem. But then when you get people that look like us that sit there and back them and saying that, 
well, it shouldn't always be about race and you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. But only thing I gotta say, but I won't say only thing I gotta say, but to sum that all up in this, them buttermilk biscuits must be tasting that good. Fresh out the oven. Just tap dancing. I know their feet gotta hurt just a little bit, Teach. I mean, just a little bit, Beast Johnson. Just, I mean, sometimes you don't have to shuck and jab too hard to know that you're for them. <laughs> well, I mean, when you no, saw they do. I think in their case, they, um, I mean, it it is their DNA. And Mm -hmm. so part of their DNA is speaking, that's all. Mm -hmm. It's part of their DNA. But see, they, I, I, (laughs) it kind of gets me frustrated that there's these guys that get, I think that got, um, let me check the video count, how many they got views. They got well. This one they just got four hundred forty nine because this was just uh, four days ago. But their videos get a million hits because what what that person said is is code. No, you always say something and then you say something else that you're really trying to say, but the situation will not allow you to say it. Mm. No, not everybody is blunt. Or just brutally honest. So you gotta play with the words. So when, when anytime I hear a white person refer to a black person, oh, I like that person. I like that. Yo, I like this this one right here. You know, I like what they be saying. I like. I like they, they, they talk facts. That's code for this coon knows they place and knows how to keep me appeased. I like. Them. Yeah. So so for like anybody who is a white. Yeah. So for anybody who is white that's watching the show, this is what we're talking about. Just because you can point out one that's successful does not don't generalize it and like, well, we need to replicate what this person has done and all that stuff. You got to really have to ask yourself, what did that person exactly do for one? And then number two, look into my situation or what is really is holding me back. These are the things that you have to you have to sit down once again, sit down and listen. This is why, once again, I keep bringing up the show, why this show is important. You are in our world now. You're not going to hear that bullshit that you just saw. The reason why we play videos like that, and there's going to be more to come and we continue to dissect them is because that is not us. That is what you want us to be or should be. That's not going to happen. We're not going to say things to give you comfort. If you really want all this, what's going on in the world to be over, this is the time for you to sit down, shut up, and listen. If you're sick and tired of Black Lives Matter, maybe it's time for you to sit back and shut up and listen. It's like going to a therapist where you kept on saying, it's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. But you continue to have the same exact problems. Now that you start to see the symptoms start to get worse, and now you sit with that therapist, the therapist now, now you ready to listen? Now you got to sit down and shut up and be like, okay. You can continue yourself and just ignore that nothing's happening for a long time until finally you start to see the symptoms. 
you start to see your world start to crumble in on you. You can't blame nobody but yourself. Anybody else got anything to add to that before we hear into the final thought? I think everybody's reading the comment. <laughs> I agree with them, Mr. McCary. They are full of crap. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong on this show um, with me bashing conservatives. I, majority of them, I don't agree with them, but then there are some brothers out there that are conservative that means well. So I want to put that fact out there. But too many times I've seen a lot of my Facebook friends, majority of them white, post these things and thinking that this is okay. This is great. You know, this is what, you know, other than Black Lives Matter, they're saying all lives matter. They're saying the things that we're saying that does not make it right. Because I asked you this question. I, 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 I throw this out there. What real black communities have you ever went into? Which once again goes back to what Cheech was saying. What protests are you leading to say that this is happening to us and nobody's saying anything about it? You got to have a balance. You got to have that same exact energy. But now since it's, oh, woe is me, I usually be your, you know, the top guy or as they would say in the strip clubs, I used to be your top girl. Now all of a sudden you worry about this new one coming in. What about me? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's it just and it's just crazy to me. So when y'all see people like people just like these guys, they don't speak for me. And just because they don't speak for me does not mean that they're right. Because they make you feel comfortable. So let's stop it. When y'all just post that one black person that's doing great, who's a millionaire or billionaire. And then you got to also ask yourself too, what are they using their wealth to contribute to the black community? To pass on that knowledge. But nobody don't want to ask that. They just see it on surface value. But anything else, anybody else want to add? Um, I just wanted to say, um, just very quickly, is that uh, we are a diverse people. Um, some people would choose the route of assimilation, and some people would choose the route of self-identification. And those that choose the route of assimilation, I just find them inauthentic. And they're like Stepford wives or Stepford husbands. They make the same point. They don't deviate from the script. And for me, that's that. how can you do that? Right. Um, so it's just it's just inauthentic. That's the bottom line. And as soon as one of these individuals um, face this same type of trouble, then they're you know they want to come to the cookout. <laughs> they want to be invited to the cookout. <laughs> and I, I believe there was a police chief. Um, I can't remember the um, location that he had just given a great speech about how the police at that particular protest had, um, you know, really acted professional and there was no problems and blah, blah, blah. And a few hours later, he went either the same protest or a different protest. And those police officers turned on him and beat him with a baton. So now he has to eat crow 
<laughs> in the media crying out, say, oh, they beat me, I'm in pain. You know, they didn't kill him. Thank God they didn't kill him. But he got swept up in whatever was happening in that protest. And to the police officer, he was just another black guy. He wasn't the police mm -hmm. chief. They didn't even know who their police chief was. They beat him. Um, so, I mean, what's the price? I mean, for him, if they say karma um, it, it was paid back, immediate. His karma came immediately. Other people, karma comes a little later if it comes. Um, so, for people like that, Karma come. <laughs> yeah, I guess you, I'm telling you, she she come um, she gonna come a knocking, but mm -hmm. we have hit into the final thought portion, our last segment of the show. But our show actually have a sponsor, and that sponsor is based oh. on the creation of me and my boy Beast Johnson. Great, that, congratulations! Yeah, so let's go ahead and show that to the folks. And we will be right back with our final thoughts. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the wet network is right now in trial right now so once we get a hold of things and all that stuff we will let each and every one of y'all know if you're an artist if you have a web series if you have if you just have a vlog hit us up let us know on our facebook any type of creative <laughs> energy or intellectual property that you want to invest into then come to the network all right. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and start with the final thought. And Beast Johnson, you got the floor. Okay. Uh, I'm going to leave my final thought with a little story called The Hangman. And the story takes place in a little random town. And the narrator explains that one day a hangman comes in and with no explanation no true just cause just begins executing the townsfolk and one by one every town's inhabitant was hung until it was just the narrator left and the narrator too succumbed to the hangman now i tell that story to explain the virtues and the true reason behind black lives matter is because in this race game, blacks have always been the dominant and perceived as the dominant or the most gifted, however you want to put it. The point is this, it's evident that they're coming after black people. They're trying to kill black people. And if they're successful in killing black people, what makes you think they won't kill you? Are you going to be the narrator and just watch the downfall of a race only to watch the downfall of another race 
only to watch the downfall of your own race? Or will you stand up and say something? That's my thought that I leave to you. My final thought on this topic today is that African-Americans always push for the diversity that America thinks it believes in. And it's because of our actions that diversity is actually created. When we march for jobs to get into positions that we're educationally and professionally qualified for when discrimination was the rule of the day and no matter what you were qualified for, if you had um, the highest degrees, it's sometime in our nation and you can only work in the train yard as a porter on the train. So we push for education and all races in our nation begin to receive free education. We push for um, um, anti-discrimination laws. We push for uh, anti-covenant laws because there were times in our nation where we were uh, relegated to live only in certain areas and that was these restrictive covenants. We, uh, whites could not sell to blacks Blacks could not buy from whites in terms of land and property, which kept us from living where we wanted to live. But it is these cases that we fought through the uh, court system to remove the restrictive covenant. So now um, uh, with freedom, we can go into practically any neighborhood and purchase a home or land. So we pushed the envelope. Our um, our fight is a fight of humanity and a fight of diversity. Uh, and when we open up a particular area, all the other races flow through it. So we are the champions of diversity in this nation. And that is my final thought. Thank you, Teach. Now on to me. Once again, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and then also people, you know, who watch later. Thank you so very, very much. Hold on. My, sorry, my mouse got me on a different screen. So this is breaking, breaking news. David Goza, he will be coming on the show. Hopefully it's going to be on Wednesday. Hopefully he's still watching right now. Hopefully he give me a message back. But yes, he will be the first white man on this show so hope not even hopefully he's going to be on the show i hope he do not hold anything back this is him to welcome him into our world how it really goes down so i don't want him to come in with no hesitations i don't want him to beat around the bush so we will have our first on the show but uh, I'm ex I'm really excited on the outreach this show has gotten. 
because when I started the show, I couldn't even find the status so I can share out to the rest of the groups and tell other people was giving giving me the show, you know, liking it and all that stuff, which I could see it on my notifications and I started to share it out then. I don't know if that's on my end an issue with my phone or whatever, or maybe Facebook is saying, hey, you're not able to share your stuff. I don't know. Don't care. Well, no, I do care because that's why I'm bringing it up. So that's telling me our show is breaking a little bit of rules here and there. Because this is something that needs to be done. This is something that needs to be said. I'm not saying that I'm the one that's breaking the mold. I'm not saying that at all. This is just a show that's just pushing. Pushing this. Not conversation. You can call the move if you want to. But just pushing the narrative. Keeping it alive. Because people would just fall on false hope when, let's say, a law comes up. And it's only just one. When it's many of them. And they would just be like, okay, we satisfied with this. No, I'm sick and tired of enjoying bed crumbs. I want the whole damn I want the whole damn meal. Not even just the whole damn meal. I want the whole damn kitchen with the refrigerator fully stocked. And this show is going to continue on. Because this is seen, until all this was going on in the world right now, it's going on, this narrative is still going to get pushed. Until we get what we've been fighting for. And we shouldn't be fighting for it. Because we did the groundwork. And we're still doing the groundwork. We're just saying, you need to pay us what you owe. As long as this is still going on, this show, this special edition, will continue going on as well. And that will do it for us and do it for me. Any alibis before we head on out? This is my alibi. <laughs> I would just like to um, thank all the listeners that tune in to each show. And um, just thank you for your comments and your stick to itiveness. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And thank you. And once again, you know, I always have to ask y'all are y'all going to be in on Wednesday? Good? Yes. I'll be here Wednesday. All right. And hopefully um, Alan Bragg will be back then. And then also, once again, Martin got to help my little bit with his uh, technical difficulties. All that stuff. Hopefully he comes back. And then also, other than Goza, once I figure out a date when he's coming in, we also going to have another guest, too, as well. That's from Bragg's Neck of the Woods, another activist, another um you know, a leader in her own right. She's going to be on the show soon. So, so keep an eye out for that. And then once again, I'm your host, Donella Monte Morris. Anita Joe, AKA Teach, and my boy Beast Johnson. Y'all have a safe Monday and a safe week. Thank y'all for tuning in. We will see y'all on Monday. And also, I got to show that, I got to show that commercial again, y'all. Watch out for the wet network, ladies and gentlemen. But once again, catch y'all later. Y'all have a good one. Be blessed. Be safe. Good night. Bye.